Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how we can make it better. This is a Royal Society special, recorded live at the Science Museum. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from our audience, and from the natural world to work out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. People say that to err is to be human, and we say we need an air correction mechanism. We will do our best. I'm your host, Simon Watson. Today I'm joined by three meaty puppets in the form of our guests. Tonight's judge, deciding which idea is most worth incorporating into future editions of our species. On my right is Paul Sunak. You will know Paul from History Revision, from Paul Sinner's citizenship test, and also as the cinnamon on the chase. Paul, what kind of ideas are you hoping to hear from our panel? Anything that's going to improve the desperate despair that civilization now finds itself in. Anything to put a smile on these people's faces and go, no, the world is not a horrible place. There is hope for humanity. No, no pressure. And pitching ideas to see what the next stage of human evolution should be, on my immediate left, it's Liz Tunbridge. Uh, Liz is a Royal Society fellow from Oxford Uni trying to understand the link between genes and psychiatric disorders. Uh, What kind of psychiatric disorders are you working with? I work with primarily schizophrenia and also bipolar disorder, which is manic depression. And we can tell a lot by genes in these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a very strong genetic link to these um, illnesses. And in the last couple of years, we've tried to work out what the details are, which genes and why. Fantastic. So she'll be pitching ideas from psychiatry and genetics. We're also joined by Dr. Robert Paul. Robert is a Royal Society Fellow in the Department of Chemistry at Durham Uni. His research focuses around the development of novel optical and super-resolution microscopy. Uh, Novel microscopy, are you just reading really tiny books? Yes. No. What we try to do is that when you look at things using light, it's physically, by physics, is limited, which means that you do have your little barriers of how far you can see. And what we try to do is to use some clever techniques in optics and to break this diffraction barrier and look things in finer, smaller detail. Wonderful. All right. And we'll also be taking suggestions from our fantastic audience here at the Science Museum. Give yourselves a round of applause. 
Right, before we leap into sci-fi and see what we'd like to change in our species, our panel have brought along some news stories with them. So uh, can we start this time with you, Paul? Yeah, this one's from the Daily Telegraph. This is one of only three stories from last week that wasn't about immigration, the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> uh, and it's quite a surprise, well, I say quite a surprise, after the 18 months the world has had, nothing's really a surprise. But researchers have uh, managed to turn something quite unusual into working heart tissue. Spinach. What? Yeah, researchers, uh, uh, let me just check the name of this place, Worcester Polytechnic Institute, have taken vascular tissue. Don't laugh. <laughs> They're all scientists. Um, have, take, have taken a vascular tissue from spinach and turned it into working vascular animal tissue. I'm not entirely sure how they've done that, but the implications are that eventually, in years to come, they can, uh, if you want to revascularize human tissue, uh, open up the blood supply, that you can, you don't have to use um, non-living tissue. Oh. You can actually use uh, mid uh, vegetable tissue, spinach. I mean, it worked for Popeye. That's the only actual um, <laughs> successful case they've had thus far. Uh, I think in the understatement of the year, Glenn Gordet, professor of biomedical engineering at Worcester, po Worcester Polytechnic Institute, said. We have a lot more work to do. <laughs> but so far, this is very promising. And um, it's, it's the most, I mean, I, I just didn't, I mean, usually plant an animal, they're completely separate entities. Yeah. The way that the vascular system works is considered to be a completely a separate scientific concept. Apparently, not so. I, I kind of hate this research because this just makes people who take kale smoothies even more smug. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean it's, it's bad news for me because I've never had any fruit or vegetable in the last 30 years. <laughs> I think the prospect of one day my heart giving out and I'm to, I actually have to take spinach is a terrifying prospect. But, but you were a GP. Surely you were always telling people to eat more fruit and veg. Have you seen the size of the average GP? G GPs are hypocrites uh, <laughs> and give out lifestyle advice they don't actually follow themselves. That's why it's the hypocritical. Is that right? Very good. Very ah. good. You may grow and now, we're just going to overdub that with applause. So there. <laughs> Fine. Oh, wait, uh, what about you, Robert? What's caught your eye on the news? Um, I've been recently in the States, and I've caught my eyes that in the States, the scientists developed a small chip which they implemented implanted into paraplegic people's brains. And now with their brain function, they can actually program some of the robotic limbs that actually is on their legs, and it was mainly on their legs, and it, it actually enabled one person to walk for about 30 years being a paraplegic, which I think is a fantastic achievement. Well, that, cool. that's better than spinach, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, so hold on, he, he's, um, how, how is this working? You say a patch, like what are we doing to these people? But basically they are, so you've seen many sci-fi movies that exoskeletons and various things in humans to make them better. And this basically enables them to walk, but instead of they actually being controlled uh, by an external source, it's actually now they have a small device impl implanted in their brain, which somehow traps into the nervous system and it actually enables them to have regained some of the, the movement of their, of their legs, which I, I think is really cool. That is. All right, Liz, what about you? What's your new story? I think mine is even more important for the, um, the fate of humanity because I have meditating mice. Um, <laughs> so this is a study in which um, researchers took patterns of brain activity that have been found to be altered in people who meditate regularly and mimic those in mice to see what happens. And basically, it seems to make them slightly less anxious. That's the bottom line. Um, and they're following up on that to try and work out why it is, you know, what changes in the brain in order to mediate these potential effects of meditation. 
What's an anxious mouse like? Is it just overeating cheese or something? What does this actually mean? Eating less cheese, actually. So one of the big tests for anxiety is how long it takes a mouse to eat a new food stuff because they're quite anxious about approaching new things. So a mouse that was kind of approaching all of the cheeses, you might be a bit suspicious about. Did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that she'd have such an instant answer to that question? <laughs> no, that was amazing. I do love this, actually. Although you keep thinking that, you know, a chilled out mouse, the cat is bound to get it or something in this case. I love that. Fantastic. So, actually, is, does this mean, then, that we have conclusive proof that meditating actually does do people good for their health? Um, not from this study, no, I don't think. Obviously, we don't know that these mice were meditating. My colleague <coughs> is quoted in this article, actually, that we have a, a Centre for Mindfulness in the Department of Psychiatry in Oxford, and um, he says quite nicely, mice clearly are not able to meditate in this sense, but it will be interesting to see what we can examine and uh, find to be common across animals and humans. So, clearly the mice were, you know, sitting around saying, oh, or, you know, being present and in the moment. I'm just imagining your lab dissecting them and looking for chakras. Like, that seems inevitable. <laughs> All right, well, that's what's happening in the world right now. But let's get sci-fi on this. Let's see what our panel would like to see in the future. So if you're redesigning the species, let's start with you, Robert. What would you like to incorporate into the next human being? Well, I was thinking so hard on this, and as a person who works with optics, I really should have gone with adaptive lenses and things, but that's obviously would put Specsavers out of business and I would get sued. So, <laughs> Paul, have you ever landed penis first on a bicycle frame? Um... <laughs> Is that a very personal? Not in the last 25 I can only years. speak for the male population. I've done it many times. I've keenly ride bicycles, and the pain is just excruciating. Uh, according to my wife, it's nothing compared to childbirth. Again, I have no opinion on that because I've really never experienced that. But my idea would be that obviously the nervous system is really important, and pain is actually the, the ability to fail pain is important because it tells you that, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that, or B, something's wrong. But unfortunately, most of the time, the pain lasts for quite long, especially quite long, you know, before you can actually see someone. Not that I want to lean into the NHS or anything. But um, how good it would be, basically, the nervous system is like, you know, the, all the wires in a car. It just controls everything, and it's all connected. But how good it would be if you would have little programmable switches, and you can actually just switch pain off. You've got a headache, you switch it off. And until you see someone, you know, the doctor who tells you that oh, there's something wrong with you, clearly, because you've got this pain here, you know, you can just switch it back on and off again to see, oh, yeah, it's still there, I definitely need to go and see someone. And what about emotional pain? Does that come in with it as well? It does actually come as well as well, yeah, but uh, usually there's other sort of sources to, 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 to sort out emotional pain. Yeah, like ice cream. <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to say. And how is the incident in 1984 with me and a rally chopper relevant? <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. It does hurt. And it would have been really good that I can just switch it off and go, yeah, I can just walk away from that. So come on, if, if we're going to go into this like, uh, in real depth, we have to kind of understand what, what pain is. Like, as you say, pain is useful. Yes. People who, there is conditions people can't feel pain, isn't there? There is a condition, and that's actually really dangerous because studies shows that unfortunately those people are pretty much try, you know, prematurely because of the inability to sense pain is not able to, you know, to, to get them that extra information, oh, hang on, there's something wrong with you. So maybe this is the same technique that we use to switch pain on in them. Is that kind of ironic? Like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, it's, if, if, if it's a switch, it works in both ways, switching it on and off. And then well, can you tell, tell us more about this switch? Because, like, I know half the problem of understanding pain is that you can have pain in the tissue, pain in the nerve, and pain oh, in the brain. All sorts of pains, yeah. And actually, with cancer patients, there's something called brain tube pain, which is actually they take their usual medication to numb the, the 
you know, the suffering they have. But sometimes medication interacts with various things, you know, what you eat, other medications take, and they suddenly just feel some pain and they cannot really explain that. Why is it that? Is it, you know, something's gone bad? And then again, the emotional pain starts in various things. Can I ask, are you, are you taking into account acute pain, which is of no particular harm to anybody? Really? Yeah. Well, you know, you switch off acute pain, you switch it back on the next day, and it, 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 you know, it, it's gone, it's not chronic pain, you say, oh yeah, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. Because obviously chronic pain and acute pain are very different Very things. different, yeah. Chronic, yeah. chronic pain is... It's long-lasting. And is usually caused by something that's fundamentally un, un, yes. un, untreatable. Or yeah. often, often caused by something that's fundamentally untreatable. Yeah. So it's a, it's a different emotional concept. Mm -hmm. you, I'd be far more sympathetic to somebody saying, I'm in constant pain, yes. can you do something about Definitely. it? Then I would be to someone saying, I'm having my jabs tomorrow. <laughs> can you give me a switch to uh, switch, things off. switch things off? I know a, a friend, of, um, actually my cousin, I think of it, he works with a unit and they're analyzing people who work, I think the condition's called Burning Man Syndrome. There's people who permanently feel like they're on fire. It's effectively all their neurons are constantly switched on. So understanding pain seems to really matter definitely yeah. to... I mean, it's a form of neuropathy when you actually, you physically don't have a stimuli which actually, not just stimuli, which triggers the pain. What you have is your nerves actually by default not functioning well and you constantly feel pain. I mean, one of the, if, if, I, if I go back, which is really funny, uh, one of the things that sort of inspired me that my grandfather was a double amputee and he always, always complained about what we call phantom pain. It's saying that, ah, oh, my thumb hurt, my, you know, my toe hurts, or my fingers are, you know, my, my toes are itching, and you look down, it's not that. So in this case, it would be really, really good to help these people and switch this off and just, you know, make them forget about it. And one of my worries is that if news ever gets out that there's a switch, there's a switch. you can take to cause pain, I think the NHS would be annihilated within a week. And certainly, I think we'd have GPs leaving the, leaving the profession, because so their surgeries would be uh, flooded with people saying, please give me that switch. Uh, I don't think, it seems to me that you'd, you'd have to regulate who gets this switch. I don't know, or maybe they will actually have more time of doing you know, other stuff, which is at the moment time consuming. Well, is there any idea, of a, any idea of a mechanism while we're on this thing? Like how do we, how do we already, because like, we already have, obviously already have anesthetics, so to yes. some extent we are good at turning off pain temporarily. How does this stuff work? Yeah, but if you use anesthetics and you obviously use either local anesthetic, that's sort of a relatively still large area. It's not just one switch in one line of the nervous system. To actually get there, to, to switch things off in the spot, you know, everybody can take painkillers. I'm not advocating it because it's not necessarily a good thing just to go numb all day. It's not necessarily a, a way to go. So, you know, it's a different mechanism. And, and in, instead of this, you know, you can, you can literally just interrupt one sort of area, in this case, one specific area, rather than taking, let's say, a drug which could affect many, many other things. Wonderful. What do you reckon then, Paul? Is this on the shortlist? Well, uh, everything's going to be on the shortlist. It's not that long a show. Um, <laughs> and also, I don't, have the, uh, I don't have the social bravery to say to someone, no, that's not going to be on the shortlist. So yes, it's on the shortlist, but I do think we need to distinguish if you had a switch with, to necessi with ne the, necess the level of necessity. Yeah. So like with caveats. So you're going to have yeah. to, like, not everybody gets the switch. It's, it's something that has to be prescribed? Yeah. Taken on a case-by-case -case basis. Okay. <coughs> Alright. Looks like you're up, Liz. Can you beat that? I will try. I will do my best. So my pitch is um, I would like to have a suite of different kinds of pills that you could take that would selectively improve different kinds of brain function. 
So say you've got an exam coming up, you need to be able to focus on the exam paper, so you take your attention pill and it lasts for a couple of hours and it gives you the attention that you need to get through your exam. Say um, your friend has just broken up with a boyfriend and you've heard a lot about the breakup of this relationship and you're a little bit over it, maybe you want to take your empathy pill so you can be particularly empathetic and, and listen yet again to how awful all of this was. So that's my pitch, specific pills for specific brain functions. Sorry, so like you're saying an attention pill, a niceness pill, you're, you're basically saying a pill for every type of emotion that we need. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. What do you reckon? Where do you start? Um, I think more importantly, you need to start educating people from a young age into becoming rounded, well-behaved human beings <laughs> rather, rather than giving them a, 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 the, the quick solve of a pill. And I'm a professional quizzer. An attention pill would count as some sort of performance-enhancing drug, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody, everybody would be at it. Now, similarly, I'm a former doctor. Would it be right that I passed an exam because I took an attention pill the previous night, and that's what helped me pass my exam, but six years later, with an acute asthmatic in front of me, I've completely forgotten what's the treatment regimen to treat that patient because I haven't taken my attention pill <laughs> that enabled me to know what it was six years earlier in a written exam, but I've now forgotten. Would you, would you not get to a, a, a hierarchy of performance level? But one thing I do agree with you to a degree is, is empathy. I'm a big fan of, the, of empathy. I'm a big fan of the fact that there needs to be more empathy around. Um, and I witter on endlessly about the fact that empathy is something that's diminishing in a world that's becoming increasingly addicted to machines and devices and gadgets uh, and not enough to human communication. I'm not sure that the pill is the right way to go. Actually, there's there's a good question. I I do know that for one time, I'd love to ask you this, Liz, because this is very much your area, like your understanding how these pills can change people. I know that for a little time, ecstasy was um, prescribed for couples counselling. And as far as I know, it did make them fall in love together, but the problem was when they came off the pill, nothing had changed. Is, is this right? Like, how does this work? Yeah, so there's, there's actually surprising interest at the moment in a number of what we would call kind of illegal drugs in their potential therapeutic use. So, um, for example, ketamine, um, which is used quite widely as a street drug, it actually works for intractable, untreatable depression. Um, so there's a ketamine clinic in, in Oxford that um, administers ketamine to people. Do you, do you have the address? Of this? <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, I can, I can the... pick you up with a lead researcher, but you'd have to be intractably depressed in order to... <laughs> there are to... a lot of depressed horses. Is that why this works? <laughs> no, I, I guess that's why they're all so happy. Why <laughs> But the idea, I guess, is that um, if, you, if you give somebody a really big slug of ketamine, it sort of resets their brain in a similar way to ECT. It's almost like a reboot switch. Um, and in addition, there's other research in, in London into whether psilocybin, which is the chemical in magic mushrooms, mm. might be used um, to kind of facilitate certain kinds of therapy. So it's, it's quite an active research area at the moment, crazy though it sounds, the idea that you might be able to use some of these drugs that have... Um, abuse potential or you know have have um, t- 
target, off-target effects that people enjoy in some kind of therapeutic capacity. Well, I mean, cocaine has a therapeutic use yeah, and yeah. dilates, dilates the pupils of the eyes yeah, and, yeah. and as, an, as an anesthetic. Mm -hmm. And it's been excuse. used to treat um, narcolepsy as well, to keep people awake. Um, and it's not so much now. But and morphine, morphine, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not, it's not unknown. But mm -hmm. what surprises me in what you're saying is where does this go? Because for the last few decades, every single government in this country has shown a steadfast refusal to even contemplate making illegal drugs legal. Yeah, and it's a massive problem from a research point of view because um, the, the legislation that's been brought in in the last few years essentially means that it's very difficult to access these drugs for research purposes. So as soon as something that, say, is a legal high, for example, comes on, on the market and is designated legal high, we can't, we can't get hold of it to see what it actually does, which is a really big problem. Um, are you telling me that researchers are stockpiling legal hides <laughs> just in case for research purposes? Well, we can't anymore. That's been outlawed. Oh, wow. So this, this is actually, I suppose the thing we've got to really get down to here, because what, what you're dealing with is um, trying to use these, uh, these substances for treating people who've got what's called abnormal function. Mm -hmm. This isn't enhancement yet. No. Where, where do these things, where's, where's the gray area here, I suppose I'm asking? Where do these things turn from just make, from making people who are suffering better to making everybody leveled up? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, really fascinating ethical question, and I think it's a question for society, really. It's not particularly a, a, a science question. Um, we know that there are drugs, for example, the intention-enhancing drugs, they, they exist already, so they're used to treat conditions like narcolepsy, which is a, um, where people fall asleep in an uncontrollable manner. Um, but the, the best evidence we have suggests that they also increase alertness and awakeness in in healthy people as well um, and I think it, you know there's a really interesting ethical gray area you're right you know people don't like the idea of taking a pill to enhance exam performance but I speak to people quite a lot and I say well you know if you had a surgeon who was doing a really complicated surgery on you and it was going to take 14 hours you know would you want them to take a pill that might enhance their alertness and Let's maybe make the them pay attention I, I think you know what do you think guys okay like by whipping who would like your surgeon to take the pill <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
<laughs> okay, you need an attention pill because that was a delayed response. There was one. Okay, by whooping, who thinks this is sick and wrong and our surgeons should not have anything? Okay, have a whip for crippled indifference. <laughs> um, so, I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd want to check the side effects list very carefully before I decided whether yeah, any surgeon yeah. was going to operate on me for 14 hours <laughs> because most medication has has side effects and you wouldn't mm -hmm. want those you, and, and you wouldn't want those to kick in um, and uh, uh, we're not suggesting by the way the surgeons have ketamine before <laughs> no I, I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate that I think that would be a spectacularly bad idea well it's interesting that both of your ideas involve short short cutting mm. as yes. opposed to getting as opposed to getting to the root of the problem is it on the short list then of course it's on the short list I'm, I'm, <laughs> Speaking of shortcutting, I do remember there was a, there was a friendly fire incident, um, I think it was back in the time of the Iraq war, and they found out it was because an American pilot uh, had hit some British tanks, and it was because he was on, well the argue was because he was on amphetamines to right. keep him awake while flying. And they said, well what do you expect them to do? And they, they said, well the British army, they let them sleep. That was yeah. used different people. Yeah, so there's, there's definitely, this issue, these issues do matter. Mm -hmm. So it's on the shortlist in spite of your reservations. Mm. Right, audience, you're up. Can you beat our experts? What are your ideas? If you have them, get your hands in the air now. Hello, sir. Hi, I'm Raj. I work in security, IT security specifically, and one of the fields that we have an interest in is obviously biometrics. One of the problems with that is if you're identifying someone, then clearly you want some kind of fixed marker you can identify them by. But the trouble is, it's fairly gruesome, but if you're, say, using someone's retina or their fingerprint, someone comes along, chops it off, and mm -hmm. they can use it. The other thing is, if for some reason you need to change that because you need to reject that authentication, yeah. we have no way of changing our biometrics. So I would like to see some way that we can actually change something like maybe our fingerprint or our retina pattern of our choice. So changing your fingerprints and changing your, your... This sounds like it might have a nasty side effect. Your biometrics. Your biometrics in general. It wouldn't necessarily be your retina, but your fingerprints. Something that's used for biometric recognition. So we want to build... Junk DNA. Okay, so I'm just making sure I've got this right. You want to give criminals all the super tools. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the common arguments that's thrown at not having security at all, because the criminals will use it. Criminals are the minority. Teach people to use security properly. It's our, it's our right, not just theirs. It's, a, it's not a question of the technology's wrong, it's who uses it. Oh, very correct, wonderful. What do you reckon, Paul? For the first time this evening, I'm utterly stumped. I have, <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I'm not entirely clear. You work in security, yes. so you have to identify people by biometric means, and you well, want to give them the tools to cheat you. No, 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 no. That information is going to be stored somewhere. If that information, as it's stored, is compromised, someone else can use it. It's just like changing your password. It's just, it's like changing... If something is used to identify you at a point in time, there's no guarantee that that same identifier is going to be valid or useful at another point in time. You may need to change it. So you're talking, yeah, there are going to be byproducts of this, surely. Because actually, I like the idea of being able to change everything. Like, I'd have two thumbs sometimes, just, 
more efficient texting. It's a bit like koalas. I don't know how to tell you this, but you do have two thumbs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 you, uh... <laughs> Double thumbs down for me. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking like a koala, because they've, they've got four thumbs more accurately oh, in that case. So, you know, so maybe this could be a, a good thing. I'm trying to think of why... why I'm, I'm wondering about your idea, though. You're saying that the criminals are in the minority, but is that partly because we can be identified? If I was a shape-shifting, um, if I could get away with it, basically. I'm doubting myself here. I'm not questioning your integrity. That's questioning ethics, though, isn't it? That's making the assumption that everyone, if they're not enforced to being good, will be bad. And I don't agree with that. I think I might, though. <laughs> no, like, I don't mean in terms... I don't think everybody. I just reckon... I just reckon I would game the system. Is that is like maybe? Actually, come on, Paul. You're the judge after here. I'm not going to fight with this. Well, it's on the, the shortlist. I'll give you that. It's definitely on the shortlist. Um, but all the as, uh, criminals are the minority. Yes, the number of people who'd benefit from this technology was also very small. I, I, no. To be, to be fair, he's quite scary and he's disagreeing with me, so I'm going to say <laughs> definitely on the shortlist. It's on the shortlist. Give Raj a round of applause. Thank you. Hi, yeah. Uh, hello. Hi, I'm Molly. Um, what about, uh, you mentioned empathy earlier. Um, some way to kind of like sync either your emotions or something you're trying to get across, a piece of knowledge with someone else, so the ability to almost have like a Bluetooth connection with another person. Emotional sync. That could be emotions, it could be any, anything kind of in your head that you can't quite, you don't feel you could express well enough and you, instead you, you sink it straight to someone else's head, almost like tele, uh, telepathy. Or being in love. <laughs> so you could force it on them effectively. That's <laughs> I love you enough for both of us. Is that what you're trying? This sounds like a really interesting... Yeah. Actually, Connell, what do you think? Because bearing in mind that you do, you understand psychiatric disorders, mm. and empathy is surely a big part of this. Yeah. I'd be really worried. I know how long it takes to sync my phone. I'd be worried if I met people that it, I'd just spend the first five minutes syncing with them. And I feel like that would not be so efficient. I think you'd want to have some kind of way of controlling it. Could so this, you could either decide to or not with yeah. people. Could this send mental illness viral effectively? <laughs> I suppose potentially, but it could also send um, the cure viral, I guess, as well. It depends. I suppose it depends how much control you have over the thinking process. Hmm. What are you to, this is another thing that leads to a lot of cheating and quizzes, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, somebody's sat in the mastermind hot seat and they're getting all the answers from their loved one who's sat, <laughs> who's sat watching them in the audience. Or pointless, where you each take turns to answer the question and, the, and the, your partner has stood right behind you telling, telling you with their mind what to answer. Um, so I'm not, I'm, not sh I'm not sure. Horrific dinner parties as well. Uh, dinner parties where couples are absolutely synced with each other would be a pretty horrific experience. Well. <laughs> but just imagine if you actually come to the feature of like, would you accept sync from this person? Or no, and that person would just get depressed. <laughs> so that's clearly no. Great. Well, is it on the shortlist? Yes, it's on the shortlist. It's on the shortlist. <laughs> Fantastic. Hello, sir. Hello, uh, my name is Jason. Um, I, there might be moral and technical obstacles to my suggestion, but it's basically... <laughs> Join the club. Yeah. Uh, installing kind of robotic upgrades. So whether that be installing hard drives to improve memory, um, improving your exoskeleton so you can dive and uh, you know, process oxygen underwater, 
and experience new environments. I mean, there could be any kind of application I mean, any, and any number of technical you know, developments in place before that happens, but I guess uh, the principle of putting robotic upgrades into our, into our systems. So can I make sure I've got this right? You're suggesting to Paul that you're just after the options of cybernetics. Uh, yeah, kind of in, in the applied in a bespoke manner and uh, into into our systems. Give us more detail. What what are you wanting? I mean, installing uh, you know hard drives to improve memory capacity and also just uh, memory banks like you could in the computer. Uh, Uploading information is very helpful, but you could have uh, you know wider applications uh, improving you know, strength and uh, speeds, whatever, just kind of capacities of. Uh, engineering which are beyond the human capacity. Well it's interesting because we have that to a degree already but only in people who are dis in, in people who are disa in disabled sport. Mm. A lot of them are extremely reliant on um, on technology and in fact there's, I think there's a German long jumper whose name is Marcus Rehm I think his name is who actually long jumps as well as anybody else in the world with, with, with the technology that he, he now has. So it's happening already but only people who are, who are considered to have had a disability in the first place. So what you're suggesting is make the able-bodied super able. Basically. Not us back in evolution. In th that is the idea of the podcast as well. You're aware of that. Like, that's, the, that's the whole point here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it needs to be, does it not need to be reversible? Because the man who you need to have a, a, an amazing exoskeleton uh, to do a certain job in the military, say, is still going to be unable to do his job after about 25 years on account of his age. And then he's left with this, this exoskeleton um, that he has not got much use for. I'm sure he'll find use for it. I suspect that what you're suggesting is already being researched yeah, and think, being, being done. I think done. you're, you're I mean, very much onto something here, particularly saying about the early adopters. So like for cybernetics and for this kind of tech, the early adopters tend to either be people who are now missing parts or people who've got more money than sense. That seems to be the, the two angles. So the people who take on these technologies most of all are people who just really want to have a robot arm mm. and people who have to have a robot arm because they're missing one. Um, I suspect there are there are industrial applications to your ideas. As you say, when you mentioned the guy who goes diving for stuff, I imagine that super divers are something that could be quite useful to somebody. I don't, I don't have that. I hate the idea of, uh, when you're saying about industrial application though, but of like my company owning my body, that mm. terrifies me. No one else? No. <laughs> Is it on the shortlist? Yes, it's on the shortlist. So cybernetic options. You're on, Jacob. Oh yeah. Hi, I'm Megan. Um, my idea is kind of along the lines of yours, but um, being able to control what hormones your body releases and when you release them. So say if you wanted to feel a bit happy if you some serotonin or if you're anxious about something you could stop the body releasing those hormones. I guess and a better example would be kind of beta blockers to stop um, anxiety responses. So people that are really acutely anxious can be really crippled by um, essentially their hormone flight or flight response just goes haywire um, and we have drugs that can block that and work quite well in, in those people but I guess you're suggesting that you could just take them almost recreationally yeah, or, or for other you produce it yourself basically yeah, whenever you want you just make more yeah. or make mm -hmm. less yeah. 
I think I'd make less, because I always, always think that I would not wish puberty on my worst enemy. <laughs> you know, that's the big hormonal change that we go through. And surely, actually, the, the one that really leaps out of here would be the menopause. Like, lots of people under, do undergo HRT, and you're effectively suggesting a better means of that. How would the puberty one work, though, right? Because you wouldn't want to just block puberty. Oh, I would opt out. No You'd opt out. <laughs> <laughs> Or, like or just have it in a really short period of I'd time, like a really and, bad day. Is that what you're done suggesting? Within a day. Okay. You know, one day of, ac- of acne, horniness, and anger. Like that's all. <laughs> I was singing a kid choir before I had this voice. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why, why? Actually, I suppose here's a question for you, Megan. Really, bearing in mind that our hormones do slightly dictate who we are. Actually, my main one is, man. I'm if I'm hungry, I, I'm morose. <laughs> Do you know, can, you, can you think you really can trust ourselves with, with dealing with these things? Or are we going to end up just... Probably not. Probably once the control your hormones like that, one's probably ready not to be anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. It's interesting. Like, we're even training muscles. You don't train how you release Yeah, because enhancement will be one of the first ones. People who want to bodybuild and the like will be switching mm-hmm. up the testosterone a whole lot. They'll get colds as a side effect, that's one of the things. Mm-hmm. Dampens your immune system. I don't think they care. They don't care. <laughs> no, They're not worried about man flu. These, no. uh... <laughs> oh, oh, hold on. Is that on the shortlist? It's on the shortlist. Well then, Megan, give her an applause. <laughs> Hello. Hey, uh, I was pretty far out here. Pretty far out idea. Is that why you're not telling us your name? Is it going to be so far? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Josh. Uh, imagine if you had uh, all your bones were pre-broken with special connectors in them that made them unpre-broken. So you could break your bones and fix them instantly. So as you were skateboarding, you could have like a button, and as you were falling off, you'd be like, okay, you press it, and all your bones would like go to a jelly. And then you'd hit the wall, <laughs> flop off. And then press the well, I guess you'd have to get someone to press the button. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd like spring back together. And this probably wouldn't do your internal organs any good. But this does do not that, sound good for your brain English. for a start. No, really, no, no. brain would not like this. <laughs> okay, hold on. Finish your, finish your thought. <laughs> Before Liz pounces on you, finish your thought. I'm, I'm a bit more of an engineer than a biologist. <laughs> So this, this probably won't work biologically. But if you could buy yourself out of a cannon, right, instead of taking the bus, you could just get fired at the wall next to your work, and then you'd splat against the wall, and then you'd go through like a field, and then that would activate your bones again, and you could stand up. So rather than suggesting a helmet, you have suggested... I mean, if you have the urge to fire yourself in, out from a cannon, you, it might be nature's way of telling you that you're not part of the equation. <laughs> Maybe you don't need to get to work that fast. Maybe you just take the bus. Can we call these Lego bones? Lego, Lego bones, I like that. Sure. I think it's quite clear that psilocybin is the main ingredient in magic mushrooms. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's, somebody's been uh, partaking in the last couple of hours. Um, I mean, I, I, like the, I like the idea of being fired out of a cannon to work, but it, it would it'd make the traffic reports very entertaining in the morning. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't think it's practical. Well, well if bef- everyone was doing it, we'd all hit ourselves in midair as well. Also, be- before you, you keep attacking this man, because we know that this does work because this works with children. Because yeah, children effectively have more bones yeah. and they, they heal better, so actually they survive many more injuries than maybe adults wouldn't. 
How do you feel about this now? I still wouldn't advocate firing the child out of cannon. I think that still <laughs> seems like a bad idea. I was about to say, say sorry to Josh, but you're fair. Okay. <laughs> Is this on the shortlist, though? Yes, of course it's on the shortlist. <laughs> Give Josh a round of applause. I love suggestions like that. <laughs> that's what we need more of. That's, that's, the, that's the kind of thinking. Well, before we finish, we've got one final idea that I'm going to take from Mother Nature. What would you steal from this creature? Can you describe it to our people at home, please, Paul? It's a very large lizard. It is. This is the New Mexico whiptail lizard, also known as the lesbian lizard. So this is one of the species of lizards which has undergone a process called parthenogenesis. Whenever it reproduces, it only makes clones. So it makes itself as a kind of, a, it's what we call parthenogenesis, a form of asexual reproduction. But it still has sex. So they don't have to, but they do. <laughs> and more importantly, actually, they do have to. They kind of mount each other. That's the only way they can force each other to ovulate. So they have got the legacy, the history of having had males in their system. So what I'm suggesting we do, we get rid of guys, but you can still have some fun. What do you think, Paul? <laughs> I'm a gay man. Oh yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with you. <laughs> well, call, maybe... call me biased. <laughs> call me biased, but I... Um... I mean, it's an amazing story, and I believe they're the only lizards that are really good at tennis. <laughs> but um, I, 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 I disagree with your suggestion. Okay, although this could be... It's, I just like the idea of cloning full stop, and this seemed like a particularly fun way of doing it, maybe. <laughs> it's off. Okay, then. I don't feel rejected at all. Here we are. So, we've got a couple... Of, we've got a lot of ideas to get through here, Paul. So, are we going to go for Robert's idea of a pain on-off switch? Liz's idea of a pill for everything, one makes you bigger, one makes you small. Um, Raj's idea of biometric changes, being able to rehack our bodies at will to change every kind of password. All these sinking our minds like a sort of telepathy. Jacob's idea of just every possibility for cybernetics, Megan's hormone control, or Josh's pre-broken bones. That's a lot to choose from. That is a lot to choose from, and some of them have some, some similar elements to them, which is essentially that they're treating what we naturally have, whether it's empathy or happiness or retinas. Um, some of it is to do with pathology, uh, the treatment of pain, and have sympathy with the idea uh, that chronic pain needs an, needs an off switch, certainly. But the one I'm going to go for, just for sheer originality, is the sinking at the back, the, 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 the idea that two people can actually sink their thoughts and emotions. Let's be honest, in about 20 years' time, this is actually going to happen, I think. I think it's fair to say. So we can all say we were, we were there when we first heard the idea being mooted. <laughs> and so I'm going to go for sheer originality and because I would get into trouble uh, if I actually agree with shooting children out of a cannon. So <laughs> for sheer originality, I'm going to go for the idea that people sh could be able to, should they so choose, sink their emotions. Wonderful. Ollie, how does it feel having this responsibility thrust upon you? He feels great. Do I? <laughs> I mean, do I actually get any money from this? Like, it's a public record that I came up with this. I, I we, can, we can start up a Kickstarter. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, no, that's that's cool. Uh, I literally just when you said empathy, that was that, that was the burgeoning of the idea. It just grew from there over the next three minutes. <laughs> Fantastic. Give Ollie a huge round of applause as well. Thank you. And before we go, we've got one final thing to do. I want you to give a huge round of applause to Liz Tunbridge, Robert Powell, Paul Sinner, and our wonderful audience here at the Science Museum in London. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.